How's it going, everybody? Teddy Solomon here alongside Jabril Taha and Stanford men's basketball team manager, Els Boone, and welcome to the Stanford Daily Men's Basketball Podcast. We're getting close to the end of the season. We actually just got to the end of the regular season and we got to see Stanford go on the road and play against the Arizona schools. So today, we're gonna recap those two games, look ahead to Stanford's opening round Pac-12 tournament game, talk about the Pac-12 tournament on the whole, and then talk about big picture as we're now in March and we have a lot to say about, about the postseason. So let's hop right into it. First with the recaps of the two games from this week. Jabril, we'll start with you. The game against Arizona. Arizona came into that one at number two in the country. What happened in that one? Yeah, Arizona, again, is the number two in the country. One of the best teams. There is a Final Four candidate, a national title contender. And Stanford went toe-to-toe with them for most of the game. They had a one-point lead with 11.56 left in the game at 54-53. but I think for most of it, those watching the game, looking at the stat sheet, could tell that it wasn't going to hold up. Stanford was shooting lights out in that first half. Michael O'Connell in the first half alone went six for eight from the field, four for four from deep. Jones in that first half, two for three from three-point range, four for five from the field. So some uncharacteristically fluky shooting. Stanford was seven for 10 from deep in that first half. So you knew it wasn't sustainable. And you also saw those turnover numbers for the Cardinals and knew that they weren't going to hang around. They weren't going to be able to close out this game against Arizona. But overall, it was a respectable performance and one that if some other stuff hadn't happened this season, if Stanford was still strongly in the NIT, a performance that would be considered, that would be a positive thing for Stanford fans. But those other things didn't happen. So it just sort of adds fuel to that fire of frustration on the season that Stanford couldn't, really wasn't competitive down the stretch. That was a somewhat close game against the number two Wildcats. What were your takeaways from this one? Yeah, I think heading into this game, most people thought it was going to go a certain way, and it did not end up going that way. Stanford came out hot out of the gate. Spencer Jones, Michael O'Connell catching fire, as Jabril mentioned. I think there's a point by halftime where uh, O'Connell was four for four from three, um, which is not something you see from him a lot. So props to him and the Stanford team for coming out of the gates uh, strong with that lead at halftime. Then, of course, second half, you really saw how good a team Arizona is. They did not fold. They came back strong and really capitalized on Stanford's turnovers. I think that was really the story of the game. There were so many breakaway dunks and layups for Arizona that just really killed the Cardinal. You just can't turn the ball over in those situations that lend to the opposing team getting easy buckets, and that happened time and time again. Um, and so Arizona, just a really strong team, great effort from Stanford. But at the end of the day, you can really see the gap between these two teams right now, Arizona being a final four contender, as Jabril mentioned, and Stanford right now, not set to make the tournament. Yeah, not a bad performance by, by Stanford. Like you guys have said, some lights out shooting there, at least for a little while. Um, and overall shooting almost, uh, almost 50% from long range. You love to see that from Stanford when you've got guys like Spencer Jones going four for six from three, Michael O'Connell going four for six from three. Um, Ray no knocking down a three in there. Um, that's that's great. You love to see that. And as you guys have said in the first half, it was really, really close. Stanford went into halftime ahead against the number two team in the country on the road. I didn't expect that at all. I thought from start to finish, Arizona was just going to blow away this Stanford team. But it speaks to the inconsistency um, of the team that they really, really have problems with that. They play like this against Cal and you win the game. That's just how it goes. 
Um, but in the second half, it became clear within a couple minutes that Stanford was not going to win the game. Um, there were points at the end where it was looking like it was going to end up being a 15 to 20 point deficit. Them getting it to 12 may even be a little bit deceptive of what happened at the end of the game there. But overall, not a bad performance. But within the context of everything, like you said, Jabril, it's a loss for Stanford. If you were in good position to be in the NIT, that's great. It keeps you where you're at. But Stanford needs wins at this point in the season. And this was a loss regardless and a double digit loss at that. So that's pretty much what happened in that one against Arizona and a pretty quality performance for, for the Cardinal. Um, but then it took them into the game that happened on Saturday against Arizona State. And this is against an Arizona State team that came into this one very, very hot. Els, if you can give us a quick recap of what happened against the Sun Devils. Yeah, another another game where Stanford got off to a quick start. Spencer Jones hit some threes. He finished the game with 14 points. Brandon Angel off the bench also finished the game with 14 points, went four for five from three. Another, again, similar to the Arizona game, story of the game, turnovers for Stanford, 21 turnovers here. They led in this game for a pretty a pretty solid amount of time, but you just cannot expect to win the game if you're going to turn over the ball more than 20 times. Arizona State shot two for 17 from three, and they still had a nine-point win here. At the end of the day, it was a close game, and it came down to Arizona State making a few more plays in the last two to three minutes, which is why they were able to get out to that nine-point margin. Um, and, yeah, really disappointing the final game from Stanford, but you got to be able to put a complete game together. They played a great first half, just couldn't follow it up in the second. Real, what were your takeaways from, from that loss against Arizona State? Well, it just continues to show this inconsistency of this Cardinal team. Uh, you have a guy like Brandon Angel going off for 14 points, four for five from three. And then two days before in Arizona against Arizona, he puts up two points and picks up four personal fouls in 13 minutes. You have Michael O'Connell against Arizona State, two points, one for six shooting in 31 minutes. And then the other night against Arizona, he goes off for 16 points. Uh, Jones, the only consistent scorer across this weekend, 14 points against Arizona State, 22 against Arizona. The big thing for me is the Harrison Ingram struggles continue. It's been five straight games where Harrison Ingram hasn't put in double-digit points. He went two for 10 from the field against Arizona State and had a whopping seven turnovers. Uh, so the scouting report's gotten bigger and bigger on Harrison Ingram and teams have figured, it out, have figured him out. And he hasn't adjusted back and he's only got one, maybe one more game to really – amp up his draft stock if he's going to decide to declare after this year, maybe come back after struggling here down the stretch. So uh, another inconsistent performance of the Cardinal. And as we mentioned, they just didn't close out another game, had a lead with 6-13 left, we're up 52-51, and ended up losing by nine. As I said, it could have been a bunch worse. Arizona State went two for 17 from deep. Uh, you're not going to get that quite often from a team that does have some shooters. Yeah, I mean, the, the Stanford team played against an ASU team that just didn't look like they had in previous games. Um, they weren't shooting the ball well. They were, or at least from deep, um, and they were not playing that well, quite frankly. So this was very much a winnable game, and somehow Stanford still found a way to almost get it to a double-digit deficit uh, there. And at the end of the day, you got, you got guys like Brandon Angel going four for five from three. That doesn't really happen. And it should put you in a great position to win a ball game. But, you know, 21 turnovers and guys like Harrison Ingram uh, not stepping up. Guys like Jaden Delaire, I'd even consider not to be stepping up even with eight points there because I expect Jaden Delaire to go for 15 plus when he's the leader of this team. Michael O'Connell also not having a, a very good game. So 
overall, it wasn't really a great performance. The first half, they were looking pretty solid and looking like they definitely had a shot of winning the game. But once again, a second half collapse. This is the end of the season. This is Jared Hass's Stanford basketball program. We know how it goes. So Stanford was not going to win this game. Not a road game against a hot team near the end of the regular season. So uh, a tough loss for the Cardinal, just taking them really into, into the Pac-12 tournament with absolutely no momentum whatsoever. I actually did think after that Arizona game, you know what? There is a chance this Stanford team is going to take a little bit of momentum out of this because they did play a good game and they did play against a very, very good team. Close. But now let's look at where they're at. They lost to Utah, Colorado, Cal, Arizona, and ASU back to back to back to back to back. This Stanford team is coming in cold, and now they're playing against the same team that they just played against. So on that note, let's just get right into the Pac-12 tournament because we've got a lot to talk about there. And I want to start Stanford-specific before we talk more more big picture, the other teams in the Pac-12 tournament, how the Pac-12 is going to fare here. Um So let's start out with Stanford's one game that we know they're going to be playing, and it's the 8-9 game against ASU, which will be taking place on Wednesday. Uh, Stanford found a way to drop to ninth place in the Pac-12, which looked pretty much inconceivable um, a couple weeks ago. But here they are. So starting out with that game, Jabril, let's just go right to you here. What are your thoughts on this matchup, given the fact that these teams just played? I think that two for 17 mark for Arizona state is really a troubling sign for Stanford. I mean, that's not going to happen every day and they still got beat by nine and just couldn't put up many points. And as we see, as the season goes on, teams figure out Stanford, they get better and Stanford doesn't improve, doesn't adjust back to teams. Arizona state just got to play Stanford. They have the book on them. Uh, and what makes you think that they're that Stanford's going to adjust better than ASU will refine their game plan to beat Stanford again. And then recent history, Stanford's flamed out of the Pac-12 tournament with back-to-back embarrassing first-round performances against Cal the last two years. Arizona State is a better team than those two Cal teams were, and Stanford's a worse team than they were two, the last two years. Um, there's really nothing to make you think that Stanford's going to win this game. Um, I expect Arizona State to take it. And sorry to sound so apathetic here, but if Stanford were to win, they face Arizona in the next round. And as I said last week, and I stand by it, I don't think that Stanford can beat this team, Arizona team on any day. And you saw what happened on Thursday night in Tucson. Stanford shoots 47.5% from the field, shoots nine for 19 from deep. They still lost by 12. They still turned the ball over 17 times. I don't think the Stanford team can beat Arizona any day. So even if they were to somehow get through Arizona State, it doesn't even matter that much. It'd just be a little bit of a confidence boost and helps Hass's resume as his seat gets warmer and warmer by the game. And Ellis, what are your thoughts ahead of this matchup? Yeah, obviously playing ASU again, Teams split the season series one and one. Both teams know they can beat the other. Both games were very close. I think it'll end up being a close game again where it comes down to who can make more plays in the last two to three minutes. This time around, it was Arizona State. Last time, it was Stanford. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens come next time. Ideally, Stanford would cut down on its turnovers, which would give them some more points in the bag, but you re- you really never know. You can't really predict a game like that. So as I said, I think it's going to be a close matchup again, and the winner will take on Arizona. Yeah, Jabril, like you said, two for 17, that, that just doesn't really happen. And that is a very, very bad sign for a Stanford team that just lost by nine points to that two for 17 from three team. Um, ASU, as we just said, and a lot of this is somewhat repetitive, but it's really important. 
is coming in very, very hot into this one. They have had some great wins over the past couple of weeks. I mean, the road win against Colorado by 17 is one that really, really stands out to me because that's a pretty good Colorado team, um, as well as wins on the road against Washington State, a blowout win against Oregon, um, and then wins against sort of the, the bottom teams like Utah, like Cal, like Stanford. Um, but this ASU team is not that talented. So in some ways you have a little bit of a break here in that I think that ASU at their baseline is not actually that good. However, they've got momentum and what matters in March, what matters when you're entering your conference tournament, when you're entering the NCAA tournament, when you're entering the NIT, CBI, anything, it's momentum. If you're doing well at the end of the season, as we saw with the Pac-12 last season, when Oregon State went on that insane run, despite their team being wildly untalented, in my opinion, uh, we saw the momentum mattered there. Uh, we saw that they caught fire, and that was what was really important. So we're coming into this one against a pretty untalented ASU team that definitely has the momentum advantage, definitely has the coaching advantage, and just won after playing a bad game. So let's make some predictions. Uh, Jabril, we'll make our predictions for this game specifically and then Stanford in the Pac-12 tournament. I mean, I don't expect you to say that Stanford's going to go blow away Arizona in the second round and, and run all the way, but let's just hear, where do you think Stanford is going to be bowing out and why? First round. Uh, nothing makes me think they're going to win this game. They're lost five in a row. They've lost seven in their last eight. Um, they've had now, they get, going into that Cal game, they had a week to regroup. It meant nothing. Uh, they had a good moment. They played well against, they played all right against Arizona, respectable performance, had a decent first half against Arizona State, and still found a way to fall apart at the end. Uh, Arizona State, as you said, they're hot. Stanford's not. Uh, ASU wins, and Stanford unceremoniously has collapsed off both the tournament bubble and the NIT bubble down the stretch. Yeah, I'd have to agree that Stanford is not going to beat Arizona State. At the end of the day, when you have two mediocre teams, uh, and the main differences are one is hot, one is cold, one is a decent coach, one is a bad coach. I know what's going to happen, and Stanford is not going to be winning. It should be, a, I think, probably double-digit win for ASU. I still don't think ASU has much talent. I think they're going to get squashed by Arizona in the second round of the Pac-12 tournament. But I do want to talk a little bit about big picture, things to watch out for in the Pac-12 tournament. Predictions, if you'd like, if you want to say who's going to win the Pac-12 tournament or teams to watch the underdogs of this tournament. Um, let's just let's just talk about the tournament on the whole. Because the Pac-12 is an interesting conference where almost every team can beat every team. I'd say Arizona and UCLA are kind of outliers there, where it's going to be hard to beat them if you're if you're the Utahs of the world here. Um, but still, Pac-12 tournament. Els, general thoughts on your end? Yeah. Obviously, we don't have the full bracket locked in, but we do know a few things. Arizona top seed, Oregon State bottom seed, Stanford, Arizona State in that 8-9 matchup. If I was just picking who I would expect to see in the final, I would go Arizona-UCLA, which is a pretty chalk answer. But a surprise team for me would be Colorado. We saw what they did against Arizona just last week, um, and I think they could do some damage. Obviously, that wouldn't be as big a surprise as Oregon State winning last year would be, but I still think Colorado is the team I would pick with a chance to make it to the final. That would kind of shock other people around the country. Jabril, what do you think is going to happen in this Pac-12 tournament? I like Arizona winning it all. And then for me, it's that intriguing UCLA-USC matchup. We don't know which one of those is going to be the two and which one of those is going to be three since we're recording this before their game on Saturday. 
but regardless of what happens, one's the two, one's the three. And USC has had their way in recent times with UCLA. And even though I think UCLA is far more talented and experienced than they are, that's an interesting matchup to keep an eye on. If that happens, always a rivalry, always fun to see. But in terms of teams I'm interested in seeing, my big one's Oregon. Oregon, one of those teams who's just been wildly consistent all year, have looked like world beaters at times, uh, had some big time upsets against UCLA, took only lost by three to Arizona in Tucson, uh, beat USC. They, they swept the LA school on the road this year. And then down the stretch here, they've lost three in a row to USC, Washington at Washington. They lost by double digits and then they got killed by Washington State on the road, gave up 94 points and a 94-74 loss today. Uh, Oregon completely falling off the NCAA tournament at large bubble, but has one of those teams who, out of the Besides from the UCLA, Arizona, and USC teams who are locked into the tournament, Oregon's your best bet to be a bid stealer for me. Yeah, so I think that UCLA is going to win the Pac-12 tournament. I don't think UCLA is that good, but I have this weird feeling about them just from their experience. And I really do think that UCLA has the capability to beat any team in this conference. I mean, we know that. Uh, because we saw them destroy Arizona early on in the season. And I'm going to kind of go with my gut there and say that this UCLA team is the most experienced, the most built for March. I'm not necessarily sold on, uh, on Arizona, but I think it could go either way. In terms of the teams that I like to watch out for here, one's going to be unsurprisingly Washington State. Where watch out for them. I like what Kyle Smith has done at Washington State. They have underperformed this season. They've done a lot worse than I expected them to do. I'm the first person to say that I thought they'd do a lot better. Um, They're definitely missing Isaac Bonson over in Pullman. Um, But that Washington State team is pretty good. And if guys like Noah Williams can step up there and they can, they can really, uh, they can do some damage in the Pac-12 tournament. So watch out for Washington State. Watch out for Colorado. I agree with you guys on that. I think that Evan Batty is a, a dangerous, dangerous man when it comes to when it comes to uh, to March here. He's going to cause some problems for teams and watch out for Colorado for sure. Keep an eye on Arizona State because they're one of the hottest teams in the conference. However, my general predictions, I think UCLA is going to win the Pac-12 tournament. I think that Washington State is the sleeper there. So that's the Pac-12 tournament. And now let's talk about one final thing, and that is Stanford big picture. It's still relevant. We've made our predictions for the Pac-12 tournament, but what's the postseason going to look like, if anything? What's the state of the program? I mean, we're going to do a recap episode, so let's not get too deep into it. We'll do a recap episode where we talk about the season on the whole and really a lot about the state of the program. But let's just give our initial thoughts here on big picture, starting with ULs. Yeah, so the team right now has a 500 record. um, Guaranteed one more game against Arizona State on Wednesday. Uh, they can finish above 500. They could finish below 500. We will we will find out. Obviously, they've been. I think right now it's hard to see a team one above above 500 making the NIT. Um, I think a big run in the Pac-12 tournament really controls their postseason hopes. So we will, we'll see what happens next week. Jabril, what's the big picture? I mean, I guess they could potentially sneak into the NIT if they reach the Pac-12 tournament final or something like that, but. Otherwise, they're way out of the picture right now. They're 500. They're 8 and 10 in conference. They're ninth place. There are eight teams ahead of them. Uh, maybe not eight teams you select ahead of them. I don't know if you put Washington ahead of them, given the respective resumes. But 
Stanford has fallen far from the NCAA bubble. They were they were in Lenardi's, I think. He, Lenardi had them in the next four out when they beat Washington State on the road, and then Stanford collapsed in an embarrassing performance at Washington two days later, but or two or three days later. But Stanford was in it. They fell apart like they usually do, and they've fallen even farther off the NIT bubble. And I know Teddy's about to bring this up, but I got to give credit to him. Teddy had them in ninth place coming into the season, had them nowhere near the NIT. And I started, I think I prematurely celebrated when I was celebrating my prediction of having them six to seventh and like a three to four seed in the NIT, because that's what it looked like about three weeks ago. But they collapsed. I should have predicted it. um, Maybe next year I have to start, I have to start taking into account the late season collapse. And when I make my preseason predictions next year, if Haas is still the head coach, but congratulations, Teddy, go ahead and celebrate. Thank you, Jabril. I appreciate that. You're you're stealing my moment there, though. I was about to bring that up. No, but in in the grand scheme of things, the Stanford team's not going to the NIT. They're not going to the NCAA tournament. They really got screwed with the bracket because they're not beating Arizona in the second round. So that, yeah, and that, that basically means Stanford's not going to the NIT because what they needed to do is string together a couple of wins, and that can't happen. Uh, so the Cardinal aren't going to the postseason. They're not accepting a bid to the CBI. This program is a mess. It is an absolute mess on the whole. Um, the reason coming into the season that I said they were going to finish in ninth, not make the NIT, not make the NCAA tournament, was not because I didn't believe in the talent, but because I didn't believe in the leadership. And I believe in the leadership even less at this point. They're not solving their issues at the end of the season where they collapse each and every season. Last season, we saw that collapse. We saw the excuses being thrown out there. But, and Jabril, we were talking about this earlier today, that Washington State game, that wasn't because of COVID and injuries that they lost that game. And that end of season collapse, that game against Cal at the start of the Pac-12 tournament, you can't just blame that on COVID and injuries. The game against Oregon State, can't blame it on COVID and injuries. Last season, we saw it. And then when we talked to Jared Hass at the start of this season, I asked him, what has happened? How did you go from that game against Alabama to what happened against Cal at the start of the Pac-12 tournament? And the answer was COVID and injuries. Even when I said, except for COVID and injuries, that is the state of Stanford's program. It's excuses. It's end of season collapses. It's lack of experience and leadership. And it is a team that is not built for the postseason because of failed leadership. So we're going to get into that next week when we really dive into what happened on the season on the whole and talk about the state of the program in general. If you guys aren't a fan of the current state of this Stanford program, you're going to want to tune in next week because I am going to be ranting relentlessly to another level from anything I have this season. So I'm excited for that. Nelson Jabril, hopefully you guys are excited for next week's episode when we recap the season. Who knows? Maybe Stanford will be in the finals of the Pac-12 tournament next time we record, but I don't think that's too likely. So on that note, be sure to tune in next time. My name is Teddy Solomon alongside Jabril Taha and Stanford men's basketball team manager, Els Boone. Thank you all for tuning in. Check out the Pac-12 tournament this week, and we'll see you all next week. Special thanks to Teddy Solomon, Els Boone, and Jabril Taha for hosting this series. 
This episode was produced by Philip Belarjin. I'm Chloe Mendoza, Managing Editor of Podcasts for Volume 261. For more podcasts by the Stanford Daily, visit stanforddaily.com slash category slash podcasts.